This is a Need 10 Media production. All right, welcome aboard. It's Nate Clayberg. And in this episode, you get to meet a very recent connection of mine, Stephen Rudolph. And we got connected, not because of an unusual job he has, but I would say it's unique work that he does. But he also has come across to many different jobs as he's uh, said, careers are becoming weirder and stranger by the day. Again, in this show, I introduce you to jobs, careers, and work, as well as people who are in roles that maybe people don't really know what those roles are or jobs are, and maybe even how they got there. But welcome in, Stephen, uh, to the podcast. And I've got to ask, in your work, and uh, what would you say is the most unusual job that you've encountered in your time? Good question. I would say the most unusual. This was a this was a really strange one. Was a guy I met years ago in France who had a job where he would help people to heal, like people who had been through some kind of a trauma and some event in their life that was that was unfortunate, and maybe they were still mourning or grieving. And what he would do is that he had um, he played the violin, and he would put the violin. Touch, like touching their body, like have it touch their body. And he would sort of feel their energy. And as he got the inspiration from them and from their energy, he would play and sort of record a song, whatever came to him spontaneously. And he would then give that recording to those individuals as a form of healing. And I, I don't even know that there, was a, there wasn't necessarily a name for that, but I just found that to, I, I thought to myself, like, how could that be somebody's profession? But it's what he did. It's what he did. I would imagine he might have supplemented it with some other, some other types of activities, but that was a really unusual one and really cool. Well, what, uh, what drew me to Stephen and, and looking through his profile and, and getting connected on LinkedIn, other places, uh, a lot of the similar work that, that we get into and, and looking at trying to help people discover pathways to purpose and work that, that fits them and what they're wired to do. And, and we'll get more into that here in a little bit, but I'm going to take you back and, and put you in the seat of maybe uh, one of your clients, uh, an 18-year-old kid. Let's take you back, Stephen, to when you were 18. What did oh, yeah. you feel like you, what, road, what pathway do you feel like you were going on? Oh, yeah. I, I was so sure when I was 18, that I was going to become a rock star, that if you told me differently, I just would have, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had it. I would have proven in any which way or form that, no, this is what I'm going to be. I was so sure. So you, you take that aspiration. What steps did you take to try and see if that could actually be? And then what happened when you found out, yeah, this, uh, this isn't what I'm wired to do or, or, or going to work out for yourself. Tell me that story. Well, I'm, I mean, going through high school, I was in garage bands. And so like, that was, that was something that made up the, the most lively and dynamic part of my high school years. And then the same thing happened when I went on to college, I continued, I did a major in English because um, the folks said, listen, you have to have a degree in something quote unquote respectable, and you can do your music on the side. And I, I was really sure that that's what I was going to do, no matter what, get the degree. And then I moved to New York to find my, my fame and fortune as a rock star. And then I found out really quickly when you have to pay the rent and, you're an ins- and you are an aspiring rock star, you have to get a J-O-B. So suddenly it started to dawn on me that, okay, I'm going to have to do something else to, to pay the bills. And 
I went out one day and was trying to, and those were the days before all of these like digital tools where you could go online and search for jobs. You had to go in the classifieds or you walked down the street and looked for signboards that said wanted. And I saw one that said wanted English teachers. And I thought, hmm, all right, let me give it a shot. And I took up this job, a part-time job. And in my first class, it just hit me like a bolt of lightning while I was teaching, maybe in the first half hour or so that, oh my God, this is, this is what I, I meant to do. Almost like the voice from the sky that, you know, you're not a rock star, you're a teacher. So it, it was an epiphany. It really hit me hard. That's, that's when something lit up in my brain or something, you know, that, that I am an educator. I, this is what I do naturally. And nobody, nobody ever taught me how to do it. I never took any classes or it's just like, I suddenly realized that. So that was the, the transition once I knew that this is what I'm about. And then from there, it went on into a whole another dimension in the field of education. So who, who were your students when you look at this English teaching opportunity that, that you got into that you probably thought was going to be very short term, but then discovered that it was something that was going to lead you on a, on a different path? But who were the students sitting in those seats? The students were recent immigrants in, into to New York City. They were from all over Europe or from Asia, South America, all over the world. And they came to the States not only to learn English, but also to learn about the culture. And so I was there to help them understand what America was all about and what New York was all about and what the language was all about. And so I just enjoyed interacting with them and, and watching their eyes light up when they understood stuff. That was my payoff. I used to go out and like spend money out of my pocket to, to like buy materials and make things for them to, to learn. I was so into it. I wasn't even thinking about, I wasn't, it wasn't a job. It wasn't a job. It was a, it was a, it was even beyond a passion. It was like almost like a mission, like a purpose. Like this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to help people understand. And at that point it was, it was language. And um, I went on to Japan after that for three years. A friend of mine said, yo, if you like this, you should go to Japan. It's really rocking the teaching scene. And when I got there, what I found was I started to work with younger adults. who They were a little bit younger because those first um, students I was working with were mostly 21 and older. I started to work with students who were in the would say like uh, 18 to 21 year old bracket. And they needed more than just skills in learning English. They also needed guidance in their careers. And that became interesting, helping them figure out that, why are you going to learn English? And what, what was interesting was that when I started to teach, there were a bunch of students who were in the school who were really apathetic. They didn't want to be there. They were studying because they had to be there and they didn't want to do their, their work. And what I realized was, well, if you don't know why you have to learn English, you don't know what you're going to use it for, then you're not going to be motivated. And so I switched the whole curriculum around and I made the curriculum based on what do you want to do in your life and how is English going to serve you? And then suddenly everything changed. Every student became excited to, I had them doing things like translating cartoons and jokes and recipes and going out to places where foreigners came to visit and they would give them like, they would become a tour guide. So they were doing all these projects and every kid was doing whatever was interesting for them. And so their motivation level was through the roof. So that was, that was like education, but for life 
skills or for life purposes. And I moved way beyond the language level. And um, it's, it's amazing to see how intensely people will work and study when there's meaning and purpose for them. And it's connected to who they are, not when it's a, an exam with some general information that they just have to pass. Well, it sounds like, you know, a real light bulb moment, but you, you say Japan and you talk about purpose and, and it brings up in my mind, there's a tool that, that I use, you know, uh, and the, the frame, the, the framework, uh, Ikigai. So that, that sure. Japanese framework for reason for being you're, you're talking just like that, uh, in the land of, sure. of where that, that came from, go a little bit deeper right. on that when, when you, when you can provide yeah. work that, uh, the, these students or these people found out they loved, were good at it, the world needed it, and they mm-hmm. can get paid for it. You know, talk through exactly. That. Right. So, so those are the four, you know, the four components of, of this centeredness, this connectedness. And when you can get those to line up, that's, that's really great. A great it doesn't always line up, but it's really a, a, in a person's interest or a great fortune if they can find something that they're naturally good at something that they love to do, something that they can get paid to do, and that has a, that the world needs it, as you've just said. So those are, those are those components. And I start first, I start first with what are you good at and what you love to do before we get to the, I can get paid for this. And before we get to the, does the world need it? I like to first start with the individual. Who are you and what are your natural abilities? What are your tendencies, your potential? What are the things that you can't stop yourself from doing because it just it's just like you're naturally drawn to them. And those qualities I call tigers just for fun. And I basically, I've identified, oh, like 19 of them. And some of those include, for example, like um, an, uh, an ad- administrative tiger. So that's this tendency to get work done. You've seen some people and they just love to organize and they have to-do lists and task lists and you give them more projects to do and they get even more energetic. Some people have a big tiger like that. For others, it's a providing tiger. They love to help other people serve, take care of. Um, anytime somebody's in need of something, they stop their own work to give somebody else assistance. And that's what lights them up. That's what feeds their, their tiger, or maybe like an entertaining tiger. That's one that loves to joke around and to tell stories and to be the center of attention and to break up the monotony and to amuse others. So I first get people to figure out what those natural tendencies are, what those tigers are. That's like how I start. Then from there, I say, okay, how can you, there's, there's two ways to do it. There's two, like there's a top down and a bottom up approach. The top down approach is something like this. There are certain jobs that require certain tigers, right? And th- what you can do is you can see what are my tigers? And then what are the jobs that require those particular tigers? And I'll give you a specific example. Let's just say you're bodily intelligence, your bodily capacity, your athleticism is a big tiger, You're really good at sports and, and anything with athletic aspects to it. Then let's just say that your uh, healing tiger, that's the one that loves to help people out of pain. That's a big one. So you love to heal people through your body, you love to heal people through your body. So if you combine those two things together, you would wind up getting a job like a physiotherapist, 
a massage therapist, a, a chiropractor. So somebody who's looking to heal through, through the body, through some sort of physicality. Or, or the violin healer that you mentioned earlier. So, right. So there's there, now you got it. So that's a little bit of the bodily and, and the healing. And we add on to that, the musical, that's another tiger. Like, so we're, that's how you can sort of stack these up. We're going to get to that in a second. So you're, you're already, you've caught, you've caught the concept. So what happens given my other example, let's say your bodily is one of your big tigers, but your protective tiger is a big one, wants to prevent harm loss, injury, wrongdoing. So protective bodily, protective bodily, right? That's somebody who's going to be drawn naturally to police force, military, um, being a bodyguard or a security officer. So you can do it this way, which is you first start by looking at what your tigers are, and then you look into the world of jobs, and then you see which are the jobs that have similar tigers to me. And then you can choose that way. Like that's one way that you can go about it. The first step you were mentioned, I guess, what, what challenges do you see when you're working with, with people, with students of maybe having them almost be their own roadblock to, to want to accept some of the stuff when they learn about themselves? Do you see anything like that? that oh yeah. That prevents them from moving forward or there's an obstacle they have to get over? Of course. So what, what that's about is like I have some principles about the tigers too. So the first is to know your tigers. The second principle is to accept your tigers. And what I mean by that is, I don't mean like you have to accept some bad lot in life. Like, oh, you know, I've got, these are my tigers. Oh, woe is me. And I don't say, or a better word would be embrace your tigers. That's probably better than accept, embrace your tigers. And, and so what I mean by that is everybody has different, bigger and smaller tigers, right? Mine, my, one of my big ones is educative and Another one is my entertaining. Another is my entrepreneurial. So I embrace those. I also embrace the fact that my administrative and my logical are small tigers. I know that. And if I do that and I find the type of work that aligns with my, the size of my tigers, so to speak, I'm going to find harmony with the type of work that I do. And that's why, you know, I do well with, you know, educating in front of a class or, on video or with a podcast or something like that, because that plays into my, my bigger tigers. But if I don't accept that, let's just say that I want to run a company and I want to be the one who's calling the shots and making all the financial decisions. Well, if my, for example, administrative and logical tigers are not big ones, I'm going to run into problems with that because it's kind of like, you know, trying to, You've got a small engine in your in your car, but you're trying to pull a huge load with that smaller with that smaller engine. And so, if I'll be setting myself up for failure because the amount of energy that I have to expend in order to make progress is going to be huge compared to where my bigger tigers are. So, one of the problems that you've rightly identified is students who or youngsters who could be adults as well. I see it all the time. Who <laughs> are not, they're not being honest with themselves or truthful with themselves, or they're not looking at the reality to see where they're naturally endowed. And so that's when they run into problems. You know, you talk through, you know, the, the example of somebody wanting to be the leader, the manager. And a lot of time that comes with, uh, that I found it's, I think it's people who uh, just don't like people telling them what to do. So they want to be the person that's telling people what to do. 
or it's re- regarded into thinking that's, you know, that's where the income is, you know, what methods do you use in, in you're showing people this data, the, the, the tigers uh, to show, yes, I know you want to be a boss, uh, but here are some challenges you're going to come into. How do you present that? And, and how do you, how do you get them to, to align with finding those tigers that fit them and, and, the, and the pathway that they should be on? Well, the, let's come back to the Ikigai model. What I believe people really want is they want to love what they're doing. They want to love what they're doing. When you love what you do, you get pleasure out of it. When you get pleasure out of it, and if you're, and you're good at it, I mean, typically those two things go together, that you're, you're good at it and you love doing it. Not always, but typically they do. So if you're good at something and you love doing it, it's a virtuous cycle that keeps coming back to you. So you get better at it. As you get better at it, people notice you. They praise you. You feel great about that. You get recognition. You get employee of the month. Opportunities come your way. You get a, you get a raise. And so when you're in that cycle, everything, everything comes to you. And if you go the opposite way, which is that you're doing things that don't match you and you're thinking that, um, well, I don't like this, but, but if I do it long enough and I become successful at it, I'll get a lot of money later and then I'll be happy. And so that's what I try to get people to realize, which is that it's not about the end state, like what you're going to get afterwards. It's about how you feel while you're doing that. And in terms of like success, right, if you talk about success, my belief, I look at success in a sort of backward or an opposite way, which is success is not something that you achieve later on. The success is that I understand what my natural abilities are and I'm aligned with the activity. So my tigers get to eat all the time. I'm happy when my tigers are eating, like what they love to eat. S- same with food, right? When you get to eat the food you love, like all the time, you love the food that you got for breakfast and for lunch. And for, so you tend to be a bit happier as opposed to like, you're not getting, and this might've happened, you've traveled someplace and you absolutely hate all the food that you're getting and you're miserable. So work is very much the same way. If you are getting the work that you love all the time, you're happier while you're doing it. Your colleagues are happy. Your bosses are happy. You take the energy, positive energy back home with you. You bring it to your family members. If you've got a spouse or kids, you bring it to them, to your community. And so to me, it's, this is the, center of, of success or of happiness. It begins there and then it starts to go outward. So that's what I try to get people to understand that the, the happiness and success is not you know, some, somewhere out there. It's, it's right here. So Stephen, you know, you're talking through and, and, and if you're fast forwarding into this podcast, which I don't know why you would, and you're hearing, hearing uh, Stephen talk about tigers, we're going to get to that a little bit. He's not, he's not talking about the actual tigers, uh, but a system he's put together. But when you, when you look at what you're saying, I, I feel is all common sense. You know, it just mm-hmm. makes sense. You're talking about why, why wouldn't you just want to keep eating the food that is making you happy or the experiences that you're having? Why is this so, I, I, I guess I'll say, why is this thinking seemingly to me, at least in the United States, unusual to, to we can say to people, you should follow what you're passionate about and what you want to do, which to me, that doesn't necessarily align. But, yeah. you know, you can find some passion, but also finding work that, that fits your tigers, as you say, that fits you personally. Yeah. Why, why is this so hard for us to, to transition that mindset? What has happened to bring us to this point? Well, I think the first thing is that this is not, this is not news. We, the education system that we've inherited 
is a throwback to the industrial age. It's a factory-based education system, which was not really meant to help people figure out who they are. It was meant to sort people. These are the people who are going to go into college. These are the people who are going to go into the military. These are people who are going to go into the fields or the area of you know, service or labor, et cetera. And although we've tried to make some changes to that system, these kind of systems are so deeply ingrained in the, you know, it's a, it's a very systemic, systemic issue or systemic problem. It's hard to undo these, these kind of systems or these kind of structures. And so we're sort of stuck with that and we're left with that mindset. You know, it's really interesting. There's an experiment that you could see this on YouTube. It's really amazing where these, there are these like fleas that are in a, in a jar and there's a top on the jar. It's a glass jar and they're jumping up and down and their heads keep banging on the top of the jar. So after a while, they don't jump, they don't jump all the way up to the top because they don't want to keep banging their head on the, on the lid of the jar. What happens is that they take the lid off after some time and the fleas keep jumping, but they don't jump out of the, <laughs> they don't jump out of the jar. They keep jumping only up to that, up to that height. And if they have offspring, the offspring only jump up to that height. They don't jump out of the jar, even though they could. So I just think it's conditioning. Like we've been conditioned as a society to, to take exams and to pass exams and to want to get into certain colleges and believe that certain types of jobs are ideal and better than others. And um, that's, that's probably why it's like that. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see where we've come and and uh, just the incremental changes that that have evolved to try and overcome some of that. But it it, it is still hard. But I'm going to beckon back here in our in our final uh, few moments. But take me through the process that you had that, that discovery of creating the system you have uh, with the tigers and how that came sure. together. And, and then finish off with how, you know, that type of work and how people can learn more. Sure. So I went to India in my, over the years, after I had uh, finished in Japan, I went on to India with the plans of opening up a school. And my idea with the school was that every, that the part of the curriculum should be, who am I? That every child should understand who they are and what their natural abilities were. And while I was there, I worked with some people who were traditional scholars of um, Sanskrit and the ancient literature there. And they helped to unlock for me many of the secrets and the wisdom of the ancients who talked all about this. They've, they've been talking about these kind of things for thousands of years, that everybody has a nature and each person has this unique combination of qualities. And so it was from that literature that I derived the idea. I happened to put the tiger's concept on it just to make it a little bit uh, a little bit more fun but it's definitely explained there that people have natural inclinations toward things and they it's almost like eating and it it need they need to digest the work that they do there's a whole science around this if you know something called ayurveda it's connected to this as well that's like what chinese medicine is to china ayurveda is to india it's their science of health and science of life and so i was able to get those lessons from there and then put it into this methodology which i call feed your tigers and what i've done if and if you would like to find out more of the details the website is feedyourtigers.com and on feedyourtigers.com i explain i list out the 19 tigers and there's a tool that I've made. It's, a, it's an assessment. 
that you can take and find out which of your tigers are big or medium or small. And there are also people around the world, practitioners, uh, career counselors, life coaches, who, if you're interested, can work with you to go deeper uh, if you would like to, to help interpret the results and to apply it to your life. And so that's what, coming back to the, the show topic, that's what I do. I'm a creator of tools to help people get aligned. It's kind of like a psychometrician. Psych, psycho means my psyche means mind. Matrician is measure. So sort of like measuring what's going on in the mind and then applying it to applying it to, you know, to your life. So that's that's kind of how I came about it. And I found out that I was, I really love doing that. I love this process of understanding how people are unique and then helping people put these little pieces together so they can either find that job out there that's that's waiting for them like a lock and a key or they can build their own career that that never existed before just by putting their tigers together in a unique way so that's just something that turns me on and um okay so all right that's how i that's how i found out about it and that's how you could find out more about it i could go on but yeah. We'll uh, we'll put the link to in the show notes uh, for sure, and I'm going to find that video with the fleas, and I'm going to include that as well, so we can uh, okay. get a sense of that. and And I think that's something I'm going to share with uh, uh, with the group of students that I work with uh, during the mm-hmm. school year too, and and just kind of get some get a sense of that. Uh, and I, and I'm sure you're familiar with Seth Godin as you were talking through there. Oh, yeah, of the I video he has of you know what is school yeah. for, and he asks everybody to raise their hand, and he says, "Now raise it a little more." And, uh, right. he's like, what's up with that? I asked you to raise it high, but then you just, you held back, you held back. Right. And, and that's what I felt like with, uh, that flea story is, is what came to mind. Oh gosh. Uh, with yeah. The lid is off, man. You jump, jump, <laughs> jump away. The lid is off and we got to <laughs> yeah. jump. Well, I do appreciate, I do appreciate it, Steven, at the time. And it's mm. always good to, to connect with people that are like-minded and, and trying to, to change the sure. ways to, uh, to help others discover what their purpose is. Thanks for, for having me, having me on. It's fun talking. Again, thank you everybody for listening and being on this journey and please subscribe and share this podcast. It's called That's a Job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast printed by Career Adventure Academy and the College and Career Discovery course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.